The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Okay. Isn't the first rule of Fight Club don't talk about Fight Club? First rule of Fight Club, never talk about Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club, you don't talk about Fight Club. What is the first rule of Fight Club, Proby? Okay, Tony, you can barely turn your computer on, so no offense. No one is supposed to talk about it. First rule of Fight Club and all that. The first rule of Fight Club! Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. You can be a man of courage, of honor, of integrity. You can be the father, the husband, the leader that your family and your community needs. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Hatcher. Welcome to Fight Club. How are you guys doing today? What up? Hey, I'm Josh Hatcher. You guys know me from Manlyhood. And we've got our other Manlyhood men here. We've got Abe. Abe Hatcher. My son. I made him. For better or worse. You made 50% of him. Right. Right. Well, yeah, that's about right. And we've got (laughs) Dan Robinson. What up? I didn't make him. (laughs) Dad? Dad? Uh, and Fight Club is where we uh, we do talk about Fight Club because I know that you're not supposed to talk about Fight Club if you've ever seen the movie. Which um, one of these days, I think we need to make sure that everybody that's a part of Fight Club actually watches the movie and then I've has a discussion it. about it's it. Have you seen movie. Fight Club? Ooh, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. It's, it's, it's a, a good, good movie. movie, and there's some really neat things that we can learn from the movie, and some really stupid stuff in the movie, but. Yeah, it's like a really interesting. I mean, a lot statement. of the movies about like masculinity, so that'd be a yeah, good yeah, and, and mental health and mental like yeah. I actually heard about um uh, on the Order of Man podcast, my friend Kip Sorensen, who was on my podcast last season, was uh, they, they didn't ask me anything, and it's similar. They're asking me anything is a lot like our Fight Club, mm. and this guy asked a question about Fight Club, and they were answering it, and he's like. Like, what is your takeaway from the movie Fight Club? And then the guy, basically, his question was, like, telling him what the takeaway should be, you know, in the question. It was one of those questions. Yeah. And uh, he was like, my takeaway from Fight Club is mental health is really kind of real and kind of scary. And <laughs> people should make sure they get it taken care of before it gets out of control. Yeah. And they start a revolution and t- become terrorists. <laughs> that was all in that's his head, though. I mean, that's the rabbit real. hole they went I down. I mean, um, no spoilers, but... <laughs> uh, that's funny. We um, got a bunch of people online today. Sweet. What? Just, Justin Willoughby, Robert, Caleb, Brian Mahaney. Wow. Nice. Y'all, man, they're ready to go. Well, we're going to be talking about Brian Mahaney today. Yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, Brian, can, Brian can be here. He hasn't been here a lot, but I know he's been really busy working on getting his house winterized. And then one of our good friends needs a little bit of extra help right now, and he's been really hammering to try to help this guy out. Um, guy that has got a broken hip and is like working and living life as though there's nothing wrong with him, but he needs some help. So, uh, fair enough. Yeah. So Brian's been helping him. Um, and uh, Dan Karish, who's been here with us every week, is not here. He's uh, not able to be here. I don't think I want to get into all of his business. If he wants to share it in the comments, he can. But um, 
you know, gosh, I I'm actually really missed Dan Parrish today. Anyway, just I know, because, right? Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's like the voice. He's like the best thing about this podcast. Yeah. So honestly, yeah, he's like the heart and soul. <laughs> yeah. So um, he's. I think he said he was going to try to to watch live when he can from from where he's yeah, at. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll weigh in a little bit and we'll have some comments from him, which would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, he's. I, I love Dan Parrish and uh, all that he adds, which is is awesome. He's a good guy and great insights on life. And uh, I think everybody needs a Dan Karish in their life. You, it's very true. Everybody needs that guy that's been there and done yeah, that. Yes. And not afraid to tell you the truth. The, it, yeah, not afraid to tell you the truth and the wisdom of the facts. Like, but loves you. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that old school. Because there's a huge difference between yeah. somebody who will just tell you what's what and doesn't love you. Like a five-year-old. No, five-year-olds love you and they tell but, you what's what. But they don't know how to tell you in a way that they love you, right? Like, like, like Josh. Yeah, like Josh. I'm a five-year-old. Like, hey, you look great today, but um, your hair's ugly. Like, I could say something like that, like a five-year-old would say it. Okay. But that's not very loving. I just kind of did something Inception-ish and sent the link of the live feed to the live feed chat group. <laughs> to our chat group? <laughs> <laughs> so that Dan can watch it. That's hilarious. I he was like, it. I can't find it. That's great. There Seriously. has to be a way. Fight club within a fight club. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to go deeper. So we really can't talk about it then. Yeah. It cancels itself out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh. So guys, uh, this is our last episode before Thanksgiving. We moved up in our schedule because we do it once a month. Yeah. And we were doing it towards the end of the month, but now holidays are here. So now our recording will be in the middle of the month. Mm -hmm. And then... This will air on the podcast in a couple weeks. So it'll be after Thanksgiving when it airs on the podcast. So it's before Thanksgiving live. Uh -huh. It'll be after Thanksgiving if you're watching the replay. Um, but that brings up a really interesting point that I think you brought it up. Yeah. Actually, why don't you cue this up? This is kind of okay. a good discussion. So I think I posed it in the, uh, in the chat group of decorating for Christmas before... Um, before Thanksgiving, deck the halls or get decked in the face. Yes. I don't know. It depends. So this all was spawned out of a lot of like Facebook vitriol towards one another about whether you should, is it appropriate to decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving? Now, let me give you my personal view on this one, okay? What's your view? Most people don't agree with me. Thanksgiving is a day. Christmas is a season. So I should prepare for the season as soon as possible. I will celebrate Thanksgiving Day, and I will be thankful for all of the things that God has provided in my life and that family has brought. I, I will be thankful for it. With your Christmas tree. With my Christmas tree. Oh. And so then, but then I have other rules that I have to follow because I know that not everybody is on the same playing field as I am. So like at the office, okay? Once... Christmas music, once Halloween leaves, it's now time for me to start listening to some version of Christmas music. Some version. Okay? Just wait. Okay? So, in the office, <laughs> I will play Christmas jazz music. Christmas jazz. And the reason why, but the reason why is because it's very kind of like nondescript. You're like, am I listening to Christmas music or, or am I just, just jazz? in like a jazzy coffee house? Am I listening feels? to Christmas so music or am I in an elevator? So exactly. You're, you're trying, exactly. You're trying to trick yourself into, in, into thinking that it's not Christmas or it is Christmas. 
No, no, no. I know that it's Christmas. I'm just trying not to annoy my coworkers with straight up Christmas music. Secret Christmas. Why are you even waiting till after Halloween? When Sometimes I, do it in Hawaii, I don't. In August, <laughs> just be Christmas. Every every like like when does it end and when does it begin? I see, but like the spirit of Christmas, right? So like I feel like the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of the season, the spirit of giving and love and all of that fun stuff that seems to be very amplified during Christmas. I don't understand why that doesn't stick around all year long. So like in so my head, I'm like, well, maybe I should just ooze Christmas all year long and people will just be happier. There was one there was one point when we lived in our before we moved two times ago where we had our Christmas tree up until July. Just because you didn't take it down or because you wanted it up? 50-50. <laughs> How about you? Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving? I mean, I'm usually after Thanksgiving just because, like, for me, it's like Black Friday is like the day of Christmasing commencing. That was going to be my next question. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I don't know. I feel like, I, I feel like. Red and Green Friday. I feel like if, you, if you're celebrating the Christmas season before Thanksgiving, then Thanksgiving just kind of seems redundant. <laughs> Brian says, "Put Christmas stuff whenever. Put Christmas stuff up whenever you want, all year if it makes you happy." <laughs> right on, bro. <laughs> I um. Our family has all. We've always. Okay, let me say this. Because of me. Because of you. <laughs> my family doesn't start celebrating Christmas until after Thanksgiving. Because I love Thanksgiving. Like that is my favorite holiday. I don't care whatever other holiday you celebrate, but give me the, the mashed potatoes and the cranberry sauce and the corn pudding and the sweet potato casserole and the turkey. Oh, the turkey. The tryptophan. And the gravy. And the biscuits. My mom's homemade biscuits. If she doesn't make them, somebody else is going to make them, but they're going to make them with her recipe. And that, I don't care if it's one day. I don't even care if it's one meal on one day. That matters to me a lot. See, but the, like I'm not... I'm not discounting Thanksgiving. I know, like, but but it's like I, I celebrate Christmas watching. around Thanksgiving and enjoy the like Thanksgiving oh. Day. But like, there's Thanksgiving is designed right to be like enjoyed in that day. There's not like it's like I said, it's not a season; it's a day. Like, if there was Thanksgiving music, I'd listen to it. There isn't. There should be. Yeah, gone it. Okay, that's it. That's I'm writing it. a Thanksgiving <laughs> album and I'm going to release it. Perfect. I'll so buy it. Have a Thanksgiving to it. album to listen to. No doubt. But there's no Thanksgiving music. So my next best holiday is Christmas. So my wife would listen to Christmas music and celebrate Christmas every day, all year long. For Halloween, I don't know if you caught this, but we went, we did our Trump retreat that we do every year. Abe and I dressed up as <laughs> Shrek and Pinocchio. We saw Abe in shorts, which is a very rare, very rare occurrence. I think he swims in sweatpants. Um, <laughs> not enough. the gray ones. Fair, fair but, enough. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, my wife decided when she, oh my goodness, she went to Dollar or uh, Big Lots, and she sees on the rack this beautiful Christmas sweater that looks like a Christmas tree. She goes, "I have to buy that." <laughs> like it's like thirty-five bucks. I don't care. I have to buy it. This is my Halloween costume. This is my everyday gear. So she buys this Christmas sweater. And then buys, she goes to Dollar Tree and gets like this light up necklace and this light up headband. And she is a Christmas tree. And that was her Halloween costume. She would do that all year long. 
And I'm like, do not listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. And she will. And Shiloh does too, my, my daughter. Last night, Abe came over, uh, and we were working on resume stuff and eating dinner, and my daughter was just blasting Christmas music. Fantastic. And I used to be like, Alexa, stop. Well, Alexa just turned on. I know. <laughs> that, that was how I would deal with it. And I would didn't say, like, Alexa, play John Coltrane. No. Not real. No. We better stop that before our feed gets blocked. Alexa, stop. <laughs> but I would do that to anybody that was trying to play Christmas music. It's the wrong time for that. And now I'm starting to loosen up a little bit. I even found myself singing along a little bit. But... I mean, it's kind of like if you're cooking, like, a roast. Okay, I can see this, right? You're cooking a roast. And you're going to cook it on Friday, but it's been in the deep freeze for, like, two weeks. Yeah. Or two months, or however long you keep it in there. Yeah. So, you know, you got thought out. Yeah. I, I, I'm relaxing a little bit. On Listen, Mariah Carey has thawed completely. It is time <laughs> for the All I Want for Christmas is You I, season. I mean... So, okay, she. I'm pretty sure that she's some kind of demon or something. <laughs> she's she is she's the Krampus. She is the Krampus. Oh, okay, okay. I I feel terror when I when I when I hear her. I, I feel oh I, no. I also don't. Christmas like is that coming song. and I've been naughty. Specific. I'm getting cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was awesome. <laughs> A uh, couple things from the feed. So, Brian says, I can eat a good turkey dinner with a tree up, so no problem there. Uh, and Caleb puts in, he's like, I'm still young, so for one, I can't afford my own decorations to put them up. And I feel like, and another, if I were to argue about the decorations, I couldn't freeload off of the free food. <laughs> it's not free food, bro. You're coming to a family's house, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, you got to bring something. That's your pr your price for the free food is bringing something. Brian says there's always time for Mariah Carey. There's Bro, I don't know that I believe you. There was time for Mariah Carey in 1996 when I was single. <laughs> now we're talking. Before but she became immortal. Be and before I got married to somebody much more beautiful than Mariah Carey. Oh, <laughs> look at that save! So, uh, yeah. I will say, yesterday when, when I was over and, and Shiloh was playing the Christmas music, I get the the whole thing behind it. Like it felt like nice and cozy and like mm -hmm. because like you know Christmas time is the time for families to come together and be nice for once kind of deal. <laughs> it's like your family not nice. No, it's like everybody, everybody, everybody else's family. Dan Karras chugs in and says, "No Mariah until after deer season." <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, I have a, a tag-on question to this. Uh -huh. So then, what do you think, why do you think people who do, like, very find themselves very attached to their Christmas season, mm -hmm. like, why do you think that is? What is it about Christmas that everybody goes, like, all bonkers for? And, like, let's take away the commercial aspect. So, I mean... They're already putting up Christmas stuff in Walmart before Thanksgiving or before Halloween, Halloween is before over, Halloween, right? Yeah. So, other than the commercial realm driving things like that, what about it personally do you think either pushes someone to being that attached to the Christmas 
decor season versus not necessarily. So it's a cultural question on multiple layers. So, like, for me, I mean, Christmas has deeper meaning because I'm a Christian. Sure. And it's literally about the birth of the guy I love more than anybody, you know? And yeah. so, like, there's a deeper meaning to it. But our Christmas also, I think, like, you, you talked earlier about that spirit of giving. People want to, like, people need it. They need to be giving. They need to be receiving. They, they want that, that time when families are getting along. And they crave yeah. that. Um, I I think that, that that's what's happening is that there's a cultural association with it that becomes very personal. And so yeah. people, that's why the commercial side is pushing it because they know that it appeals to oh, something sure. very deep and very like if I look back, uh, growing up Christmas were, Christmases were amazing. Um, you know, uh, my dad would work really hard. He would work all kinds of overtime. He worked Christmas Day. Because on Christmas Day, he could get double time and a half. And if he worked double time and a half, he would make enough money in one day to pay for nice Christmas presents for us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and so, so he would get Christmas presents on Christmas Day? No. it would. He'd buy them, but it would kind of reimburse. It would cover the cost of it. It would cover the cost of it. But, and, and, and sometimes he would work even a lot of overtime kind of leading mm-hmm. up to it just to make sure he could yeah. get it. Like one year, he bought us a, a Tandy Radio Shack computer. And we were, like, one of the only kids in town to have it. That's super cool. And, so like, cool. it was amazing, you know, like, I, I found a picture the other day of my first guitar. And it was, like, a $99 special. But a $100 present in 1992 or 4 or whenever that was, that's probably 92, that was a lot of money, you know. And he would go out of his way just to make sure that we had something nice, you mm-hmm. know. Um... You got a, a something from the theater? no 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 oh. you j- I could you I could see you thinking and like emotionally thinking about that and yeah it just, it kinda, just it, it's was, and it was never about the present itself it's yeah. funny because like this was later on in our list of things but it's a, the right time to talk about it yeah it was never about my dad spending money no 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 exactly it was about the fact that he <laughs> he he cared enough <laughs> to do something for me we got somebody coming in the house I bet so. It, it might be another guest for the podcast, so we'll have to get our other mic going if it is. So I and like I think I'm along the same lines as you, Josh, and I think the reason that like I draw so much to Christmas is because, again, of the you know now, you know, it has a whole lot more meaning being you know in deep in the Christian faith and you know my walk with Jesus that that sort of thing, but I think. Again, I think back to, like, my Christmases as a kid. And, you know, I mean, for most of my childhood, my parents, you know, struggled just like every other parent, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, making ends meet, worrying about paying bills. And, you know, we lost my brother when I was very little. And so there was always a level of kind of, not tension, but just like that heaviness of life kind of carried around everywhere. And then during the holiday season, you could kind of see that especially for my parents, kind of melt away. That they were enjoying the moment of decorating and kind of living in that little, not fairy tale, but in that little moment of where everything around you is as happy as you want to feel or as beautiful as you want to feel. And, you know, again, I remember, like, asking for the most, like, 
egregious things for Christmas that I full well probably knew my parents couldn't necessarily afford, but I never went without. I never, I always had the things that I asked for, which was more than I could ever imagine, you know, and it was, it, it, it just brings back so many, so many of those memories. I was looking at some of the feed here. Um, Dan Karras talks about, you know, memories of Christmas past and the happiness that goes along with that. Brian said, you know, for him, it really takes him back to when uh, his family was young and his dad was still alive. And it was all about family getting together and that bonding and that, that time together. Um, Louis just joined. Louis? Yeah. Hey, Louis! <laughs> <laughs> when I was... Um, when, I'm trying to think of when this was. I, there was a point, and I don't remember if it was when we first... Like, right after having the twins. It might have been after Abe, because I think... I think it was after Abe because I had lost my job shortly after that. But there was one. And it Christmas. was all my fault. No, no. <laughs> but it, well, it, what it was, it was the company that I worked for was uh, like it was a big mess. It was all over the news. There was financial mismanagement, and then of course, oh, no. you know, the millionaires don't get affected as much as the well, peons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, which I mean, I'm forgiven. I actually had a really awesome article that I wrote in the newspaper about forgiving him. And it was kind of a neat experience. Yeah, but that's cool. I will say that the I remember that year, and Dad wasn't doing really great financially. They didn't have a whole bunch of money, and nobody in the family had any money. And so I remember my dad and mom pulled us aside and said, "Guys, we're going to do this real simple this year. We're going to spend, you know, for our Christmas. I mean, for our Christmas, we're going to spend five bucks on each person. So like." Each, like, so that meant that, like, our family maybe spent 25 bucks. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, and we'll get the kids a little something nicer. You know what I mean? But we'll, all of, all of us grown-ups are going to spend five bucks on each person. And so we went to the Dollar Tree. And I think we all went the same day, which, this whole thing blows my mind. Because we were really sneaky, like, hiding the, the baskets with coats and stuff. <laughs> always to do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. You guys always, yeah. we would always take the kids to Dollar Tree for Christmas. They, it's where they would buy their presents, you know? Sure. But that, because that's the tradition that was formed out of all this. Yeah, yeah. So we went and, and we all bought everybody in the family a present. And then we all, we snuck them all out. We brought them home. We wrapped them. We went to my mom and dad's house for Christmas Eve, which is, that's, that was their tradition was on Christmas Eve because dad worked Christmas Day. Yeah. So we go over to open presents with them, and as we open them, um, every guy got the exact same gifts from different people. Every girl <laughs> got the exact same gifts from different people. That's so awesome. But it was all stuff that we would have wanted from the Dollar Tree. Yeah. You know? Like, it was, oh, I really like that. Thanks. You know? Everything that we got was something we liked. Yeah. But the meaning, like, when we were doing the shopping, like, you had to really think. I have one dollar to buy something for this person that tells them how much I that I care about them, and it actually just added this extra layer of meaning to our Christmas. Yeah, and it was beautiful. That's it was so really cool. beautiful. That was That's my favorite so cool. Christmas. Like, yes, the years that Dad like went all out when we were little. And yeah, they were awesome. They were yeah. fun. Yeah, that was my favorite Christmas. Yeah, I remember when we would. So my grandparents. And both of my grandparents have now passed, my grandmother most recently. And I remember Christmases at their house in Charleston. And they had a, they had a, a fireplace. 
and it was the only house that I've ever really been in when I was little that had a fireplace. So it was always this great novelty for my grandfather to build a fire on Christmas Eve and, and all of this stuff. And then, like, he would take great care to make, like, Santa footprints. And, <laughs> I mean, like, he really, really went all out. And I just, I remember those, like, just those little moments of of things that just made it so extra super special. Hmm. I think a lot about that right now because I know that with inflation, with what's going on, I mean, I'm looking at this, I sent a message to the family chat dude, I'm like, I think guys, with the price of everything and with the way things are going, this one might be another great year to pull out a Dollar Tree Christmas. It's a buck twenty-five, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> But but I, I was thinking like that's actually a really good topic for us to talk about because how can we do something special for our families mm-hmm. on a tight budget? Yeah. You know, because your your kids are going to remember something. They're gonna have a memory of it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if that memory is not we got the big fancy thing. You know? Yeah. What are they going to remember? What experience are you going to give them so that they remember? Mm-hmm. Your family, you know. That's the stuff that, I mean, I think that's worth talking about. What are some things that you could think of, Abe, that if you were going to, you know, I mean, I know tight Christmas is going to be tight for you this year. And that's, you know, I don't, we don't need to get all that, but it's going to be tight for you this year. It's not going to be like it was. What would you, what do you think, I mean, without telling me what you're getting me or giving me for Christmas? I don't know already, so <laughs> so we're gonna find out. It'll be my presence instead yeah. of a present. No, but like, like, what are some things that that like you can do in that situation when money's tight? Like Dollar Tree, I could I could make you something. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much all that I know of is like go to like cheap little dollar stores, go to like. Goodwill on a discount day mm. or something, you know. How about growing up? Because I know that we didn't have much when you were growing up. Did you ever feel like this is a cheap Christmas? Or did you ever feel like, like it was a good Christmas? I never had the feeling. Like, as a kid, I never had the feeling that it was a cheap Christmas. You know? It, that, like, that, that never came across my mind because it was always just, it's a Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know? It, it was never about, like, the price of them. The, or like the expensiveness of the gifts. It's always about like, like how much, how how good they are. Like how much they mean to the, to the person, you know. Yeah. Um, and we had some rules that Zoe and I would set at Christmas time. Is we said we have X amount to spend. Like we'd figure it out. We'd do the math. This is what we have to spend per kid. And it was always a lot less than what other people. Like I think most people's price range is was always significantly higher than ours like most people were spending like the 100 to 200 bucks for a nice gift and then maybe another 100 to 200 on like the random gifts mm. and they were spending so they're spending you know two to four hundred per kid usually racking up a bunch of debt or working a bunch of overtime so you didn't even get to see your kids mm. and we're just like, we're not going to do that. So, like, they always got more than three presents, but our goal was from mom and dad, and we could talk about the whole Santa Claus thing, but maybe that's for next month. 
Yeah, it's a lot of Christmas. We didn't do... We, we taught our kids that Santa Claus was a fun thing to pretend from the beginning. But we'll talk about that later. But we um, we did three gifts because Jesus got three gifts. And if you look at the three gifts Jesus got... Was that the reason? Was it because of Jesus? Yeah. Listen, we, 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 we thought... I don't know. Maybe your mom read it in one of her books. I don't know. <laughs> but the idea was the, Jesus got three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. <clears throat> now... Gold is something valuable. So we wanted to get something that our, that kid would think is valuable. Uh, frankincense is was uh, a spice that was used primarily to worship. Like you would use it for incense to worship. So we tried to give our kids, when they were little, like it would be a veggie tale because it was something about God or a Bible or something like that. <laughs> and the last one was myrrh, which is a burial spice. It was something practical. Teacher, you, you gave your kids coffins. Yeah, give me a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're about to give you a coffin. Yeah, I'm gonna die here. <laughs> That's kind of weird. It's like a cough forming deep down in my a in cough my chest. in. Yeah, a cough in. <clears throat> but that was kind of our, and then you know, like a grandparent would send us money, or we maybe some other money would come in. So then we'd kind of spend and get a little extra for them. But trying to, the goal was to keep it affordable. And to spend what our budget was. We knew how much we could spend, and that was it. And then if we got extra that we could put towards it, then we did. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and there were times we, we did go to Goodwill to go Christmas shopping. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Dan Karish says, start a tradition. You guys keep going back to money and gifts. How about like hot chocolate and reading the night before Christmas, or maybe a Christmas mm -hmm. breakfast, or... And I've seen a lot of that recently is less about like a material thing and more of like purchasing experiences or things that you do together rather than you know like the individual thing and whether that's something that you self-create and it doesn't cost you money just you know time or effort or whatever it might be but you know something that is an experience i have a coworker that likes to do that that she would rather give gifts of experiences than a physical something. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fantastic. It's so cool. Nothing is worse than buying a uh, an expensive plastic toy for your kid and having it broke before uh, New Year's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember last... Like, so, I mean, again, I have a young family, and I, you guys both know that. I'm sure everybody who's listening and watching and whatever knows. And I remember, like, the first... Like, I mean, actually, almost all of the Christmases since I've had kids almost feeling that like a weight of like you have to perform mm -hmm. or produce and like i was in walmart like two weeks before christmas last year because again we didn't have a whole lot of money and that was like i got paid and i'm like okay i'm gonna go christmas shopping and like i remember going there they, walmart doesn't have layaway anymore mm -hmm. so like and i'll get that to that point great. in a minute and so <clears> like <throat> you have to now if you want to like buy stuff for Christmas presents in order to pay for it like you would layaway. You have to take out basically a line of credit through a company to then make payments for all of this stuff. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I want, this is what we want to get. And like, I'm like, okay. So I'm walking around Walmart, kind of like looking and shopping and like adding up prices. And then I get to the end of it and I'm like, okay, well, I've got to apply for this in order to be able to purchase it. And I got denied. I'm standing yeah. in the middle of Walmart crying mm. 
Because, like, it was hard. It was in my mind. I had, like, this, all of these things, this, this perfect picture, perfect, you know, this is what they want, this is what they wrote about, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And I had all of those things. But your credit. But my credit wasn't good enough to give me the money, and that hurt. That hurt a lot. But, but, it then made me go back and look at the cart full of crap that I had and specifically pick out the things that I knew were either the most important or the most impactful or whatever it was and whittled that down to what we could afford from straight from our bank account. And, you know, we were, you know, squeezing pennies out of nothing the following week because we, you know, did Christmas. But I don't think that my kid knew any different. She was just as happy if she would have got $3,000 worth of gifts or $30 worth of gifts. And it really set in my mind that I'm doing it for the wrong part of it all. Mm-hmm. That I'm not looking at it the right way. Yeah. And, well, I mean, kids, some kids are happier with the box, the toy that came in, came in rather than the toy itself. There is such an increase in depression when, right after New Year's when that Christmas uh, credit card statement comes in. Because people think, I made Christmas great. And then they realize they haven't paid for it yet. Like that's that's a scary thing. So um, that reminds me of Abe. Do you remember when we talked about the experiences? And I'm actually looking. That's what I was saying. I'm actually that. looking on the wall over there at a picture of uh, Fred and Michaela and their girls. Um, and that's at the Christmas tree, the Christmas tree farm. Do you remember the year, that, the first year that we got the real Christmas tree and went and cut it down? Uh, when was this? We've done that a lot. Yeah, it's it become a tradition for us on Black Friday to go do that. It was the year that we stopped at the mom and pop shop when it was open in Smithport and got, and they had like every kind of candy and sodas you can imagine. Oh, yeah, I love that. I That was, yeah, I remember. It was just a really neat experience. And it was one of those, like, for me, like, that's a memory. Like, that was the first time we got a real tree, and now we get mm-hmm. a real tree every year. Now, we've only got one left at home, and I'm already like, I think after she moves out, I don't think I'm going to get a real tree anymore. <laughs> you know, but yeah. but it, it was so much fun. It was something we, do, we could do together as the kids. That was, like, as they were all entering, the older ones were teenagers, I think, when they started doing that. And it was a fun experience. and, and But that experience of doing it, um, which, if we go back, we've talked a lot about Christmas. Let's talk about Thanksgiving. It... Or did you want to talk more about Christmas? No, I just think it's funny. How like we were talking about? Oh yeah, no, no Christmas before Thanksgiving. And I know. Then this turns into the, the Christmas podcast. Like, like the people that are like me are like, I'm turning this off. Yeah. <laughs> um, totally let's talk good. about Thanksgiving. Favorite Thanksgiving food? Ooh, I, it's got to be my mom's homemade stuffing. That's like a grandma passed down the recipe that only my mom really knows because she watched her make it. Because my mm. my dad's mom, my grandma, like didn't measure anything it was all up here in her head and it was like eh, pour a little bit of this in until your ancestors say it's okay kind of thing <laughs> and like so my mom sat there and watched and it yeah so the homemade stuffing is i think the best the best one um Abe, what is your favorite thanksgiving food are we counting desserts sure okay uh well there's a I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, 
<laughs> that's okay. But there's a, I, every year, <clears throat> every year I make a pie, and it is a, it's a butterscotch cinnamon pie, and it is that sounds really good. It's really good. It's 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 kind of like it's like the consistency of like a pumpkin pie kind of deal. Gotcha. But it's really good. Like right. a custard. Yeah, yeah like a custardy kind of. That sounds really good. There's a story Ooh. behind it, though, right? There okay. is. Yeah, where did this butterscotch uh, cinnamon pie come from? Like, I, you and Isaiah found it. Yeah, yeah. We 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 made it one year because we found like a recipe for it, and and then we just every year since I've just made it every single year. Yeah. And it's like a it's like to make the custard to get it set right. Like oh yeah, you gotta like. Well, yeah, like, there's eggs in there and milk. You gotta like temper it with multiple temperatures. Yeah, that's awesome. It's like the complicated. most complicated dish that anybody makes. Every day. <laughs> it's either that that's awesome. or or probably uh, my grandpa's old pimento cheese dip. Oh yeah, which yeah. I made, made that every year. Yeah, and, and I made would, that last year. And he would make that, or he would make like a cheese ball shaped like a turkey. Yes, yeah. Or he would always do ball. something like. Or, like, or, like appetizer, like, like meat and cheese, because mm-hmm. we would always go over early, mm-hmm. and so we wouldn't eat lunch because we would usually eat about two thirty, three o'clock. So, and we didn't eat breakfast. We did it was a light breakfast. Maybe we'd have cinnamon rolls or something in the morning. So we'd have like snacks we could snack on. You know, that was always cool. Yeah, yeah. Dad was always he was always that pimento cheese was really good. Yeah, and I like making that. Yeah, too. you've made it too. So, um, I think my favorite first of all, the trick. I'm always. I'm the, like the the dad in a Christmas story, uh, even though I look like the son in the Christmas story. I am like the dad in the Christmas story. I'm a, a certified uh, turkey holic. I love the turkey, um, and I don't like it when the like I get two plates. I get a plate of all of the salty stuff and a plate of all of the sweet stuff. I don't want them mixing. Mm. They can mix with each other. You know, gravy and mashed potatoes and stuffing, that can all mix together. But not with the cranberry sauce and the sweet potatoes and the... That's all going to be separate. Yeah. No, but the turkey is my favorite. It's meat. Do you, uh... It's good. I like... Have you ever brined a turkey? Mm-hmm. That's the best way to do a turkey. Mm-hmm. I'm getting really hungry now thinking about the turkey. We don't have snacks this time. I know. Well, we, we, have... we never eat the snacks anymore. Well, I always eat snacks, but I know what you mean. Yeah, we're usually too busy talking. Hey, we got any uh, more feedback on our... I mean, we might be going back to Christmas. Brian was talking a little bit about the Christmas stuff. He's like, one time we had no money for gifts for our kiddos. We came home one night to a porch full of awesome gifts for the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Those people are some of our greatest friends to this day. So just Christmas memory. And Dan Karish, I I can see him looking at us. We were sitting right there. Yeah, he'd be staring us yeah. down, and he would have yeah. stopped us in talking. And he says, "You don't have to buy an experience. You're missing it. Create a freaking experience. Yes. Get yes. away from money. You live in uh, you live in the middle. I'm not sure what he means by that, but oh, you live in the middle. And then there, here's the rest of the comment of some of the best things you can do: Niagara Falls, Allegheny State Park, and so on. Get away from the dollar value on the season and have mm-hmm. an experience and have fun." I agree 100. percent Yeah, I mean, every year when I think about Christmas, I don't think about like the presents and stuff. I think no. about just like no eating like cinnamon rolls or bread pudding in the morning, or 
uh, like watching It's a Wonderful Life, you know. Yeah, watching It's a Wonderful oh, Life. Oh, I love that. We movie. would watch that. We watch it like, like the it's like the last Christmas yep. thing, mm-hmm. and then we cry. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a beautiful. That it's is a good movie. That so good next movie. podcast since we'll be closer to Christmas. Yeah, I want to talk about It's a Wonderful Life. Oh yeah. So yeah. if we have movie. to watch it early to be refreshed on it, let's do that. But. I want to talk I think about I've it seen it enough life. time, so for my thirty. I know it's pretty much memorized. I, yeah, I pretty much but, know everything. That yeah. in it. <laughs> oh. So, Brian Mahaney. Oh yes. <laughs> he <laughs> so, really should be here for that. So he should be here for that. We're gonna talk about it again when he's here the next time, but I'm gonna talk about it today anyway because it's something like crazy. So Brian Mahaney, uh, he's he's on. He's got these security cameras. They used to be installed in his garage when he owned the, the mechanic garage. Now he's got them around his house. I've got a ring doorbell. I love them. They're great. If a bear walks by, you get a picture of the bear, you know? Well, Brian's walking by in his yard, and he falls. He's got a video of him falling in the garage. He's got a video of him falling. He's got a he video tri- of him falling kind of all over his yes, property. Yes, Just a bunch of Well, them. the one of them, he's burning a fire, and... He almost falls on the dog, but he doesn't. And he's, like, picking up sticks, putting it in the fire, and he falls. And it's not even that great of a fall video. No, it's not. No, you're like, it's like a it's stumble. Not. It's like... It has 11 million views. 11, 11 million. million freaking views. 12,000 likes, 105 comments, and only 38 shares, which I figured it would be way more than that. Being that it's, it's been viewed it's, that it's many times. Because it's because it's all about the algorithm. So the yeah. algorithm is seeing that people are appreciating it and yeah. they're sharing it with people. Now, he shared it on TikTok, he shared it on Instagram, and then he shared it on Facebook. And he does not have them all linked. So when he shared it on Facebook, that's the one that went viral. And so here's, you know, big... I mean, and listen, Brian has gone quote-unquote viral before. He's had, uh, you know, he won like a business competition. Uh, I mean, not nowhere near with this kind of impact, yeah. but... He won a business competition, like, inventing uh, a red dot site for bow and arrow. Okay. Uh, and had kind of launched and started that business. Um, he has, he started another business, and his, his goal of that business was to create uh, sidecars for handicapped people for motorcycles. Yeah. Um, and he I'm did, not laughing at that part. I don't want anybody okay. to think but we, I am. But we wrote a story about I'm it. A, it I'm went comment it, surfing. That's okay. It, it got picked up on the Associated Press, and he, his story was went all over the country. About that, you know. So, like Brian Mahaney is just the guy that if, if anybody's going to do something and get notoriety for it, it's Brian Mahaney. But how funny is it that with all of the the hundreds and thousands of people that have seen the things, and I say hundreds and thousands because probably not hundreds of thousands, but that have seen the things he's done and thought, oh, this is awesome. Well, now we know it's millions, millions apparently, of people have seen it. Apparently, when he falls down in his yard, it's it's worth a million. Or 10 mil, 11 million. 11 I, I think I think 1 million might be me watching it over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the best part about this is, like, if you look at the comment thread and do yourself a favor, look through the 105 comments because there's a theme, okay? Uh-huh. There's a, a, a large majority of people who don't like it because he started a fire under a big tree and they feel that... <laughs> He either doesn't like the tree, doesn't want the tree, <laughs> is going to burn it down, whatever it might be. But Brian they're really upset that he put a fire underneath a tree. That's one group of people. The second group of people refer to that the Crocs failed him. 
So <laughs> either you shouldn't wear Crocs outdoors doing those types of things, <laughs> or if you are going to wear them, you've got to put them in 4x4 four four mode. Right, right. Yeah, so that's the other group of that. people. Um, <laughs> um, a lot of people are really upset with the song in the background for whatever reason. That's, it's the Oh No song. I know. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> uh this there and then there's a lot of like people who are like you know <laughs> the one guy said it's called top heavy and I'm like you're such a jerk hey well i mean let's be real if if a man's going to fall down it's because he's top heavy like we don't fall down cuz we're bottom heavy some people are glad Weebles that he didn't wobble, smush the dog weebles wobble but they don't fall down <laughs> so brian is not a weeble someone is someone else has seen his other videos, because he said, this guy, first the oil filter rack, now this. Yeah. Maybe a doctor is in store. <laughs> I, I did some work with Brian helping him move something the other day, and we lifted a lot of heavy <laughs> stuff. And he was like, he gets to the end, he's like, okay, I think I'm done. I don't think I can move anything else today. It, it, you know, it's starting to hurt. And I'm thinking, I wonder how much of this is pain from just being old and how much of this is pain from just falling down so much <laughs> yeah, falling down all the time. Um, and, and I'm picking on Brian for falling down but I fall down at least as much as he does but it's never in front of a camera so it doesn't count yeah. <laughs> so like and then there's um, people who comment quite a bit about the dog like oh I'm glad he didn't fall on the dog or why do dogs freak out when somebody falls on the ground like <laughs> the other video he does trip over the dog <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody put a thing, a smoky bear on here on the You Prevent Forest Fires Again, the tree comment is pretty popular. Um, someone called him a Republican. I don't know what that is about, but okay. Um, but I think it's worth noting that... Okay, <laughs> hold on. Brian commented, so this is important. So Brian, there's, there's a new thing, and by the way, if you're watching this, uh, if your account is monetized, there's something you can send... The people who have the videos called stars, and I think like you pay X amount to yeah, buy stars. Yeah, you can give them to the people that you love. So if you are someone who gives the stars, you should give them to us. Or you could go to Brian's videos and you could say, give them to him because then he could buy new shoes. That's what he said. That's what Brian's <laughs> comment is. If everybody would send me stars, I could buy good shoes. <laughs> Um, He's gonna need to buy shoes with bolts that he can drill. Yeah, the no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> um, I gotta get back to this page here. So, I think it's worth mentioning that. Okay, so eleven point one million views. Okay, for that one. That's video. the Facebook algorithm that, that sends it out. To so everybody. let's just talk about the other ones on here. So you've got the next one in the lead. There is twenty one point two thousand oh, views. Then, is that the one? Is that the one at my son's wedding? I no, uh, I don't think so. Okay. It's this one. Whatever well, that's where happened. he fall, he trips over the dog. Yeah, that's how many did that have? Twenty one thousand. That's a lot. That's a big number. Yeah. Okay. Like, so that's more. That's almost it, like. I don't know. That's almost as many as there are dollars, in twenty grand. Nice job, Josh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> then the next one after that is two. It's point, not even math. Two point six. <laughs> 2.6 thousand, and this is just the bear walking around. Oh, the video of the bear? 2.6 thousand people. Then, the next one is, what is the guy oh, doing the, to his dog? The the bear, by the way, was, the bear was walking into Fred's house. My, oh, and the house okay. Across the street. Gotcha. So, 
Then it was, what is he doing to my dog? Yeah, that was a random neighbor that was, like, doing something to his dog. I don't know. And like, then you've got, like, or something. one with a thousand views, and then the next one is, like, 943 and 878. So, like, none of his videos are below, like, 50 views. Like, no. they're all way up there. Now, what, what he did say was, since that one video went viral, they said, oh, you can be monetized if you want. So he gets the monetization set up. But they won't count the views he had before he was monetized. Oh, so, poopy. Yeah, so now, oh, he's starting man. To get, now he's starting to get money. I think he might be at like 35 cents now. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> Just set a bunch of obstacles around yeah. your lawn. <laughs> I finally got my, my YouTube channel for Manlyhood is finally monetized, which is awesome. Oh, that's cool. I've made like eight cents, I think. So. Hey, eight cents is eight no, cents. No, you too. made like 50 cents. Oh, it was 50 cents. It was 50 yeah. cents. <laughs> he said, that guy is why I bought cameras. And he's made <laughs> six bucks. Oh, six hey, bucks! Six dollars. Hey, that's like buy a which sandwich. Is, which brings up another fun point about that. How do these people make millions of dollars off of? So, like my my kid religiously when she was little followed uh, two kids on YouTube that were like were called Alex and Gabby and Alex or Alex and Gabby. I don't know. They were two younger kids and they like reviewed toys. That was what they started out doing. So their mom would go buy toys at the like store and bring them home and then their kids would like play with them and talk about what they liked or didn't like and when you watch like the first video they make they're in a they're, they live in the UK somewhere and they're living in like an apartment because you can see them going to and from their house and blah 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 and like as you follow them for like a year through this journey they have like amassed a bunch of money and now they live in this huge mansion somewhere but like they like their like the net worth of these children is more money than I've made in probably my entire life. Brand deals. Brand. Yeah. So, so yeah, making money off of YouTube and a lot of that stuff. There's several ways to do it, and the first one is from the the views itself and the ads that play. Yeah. Um, but you can also have your own service and product that you're selling. You sure. You can also have. A brand deal where somebody's like, "Look, you got ten and a half million views on this video. Uh, why don't um, you wear Adidas in my next video? In your next or video, like uh, you review this and I'll yeah. give you, you know, ten thousand yeah. dollars." Um, there's another one that it comes in mind with my kid. I can't remember the name of it, but um, that again just made a bunch of money doing things like that. Crazy. Mr. Beast is pretty crazy. That YouTuber, have you ever watched him? He like he makes. Well, he has like he's like has he hit a billion? Oh, he's over a billion. Yeah, he's just like extremely rich, all from YouTube, and then he just takes the money, money and he gives it away. So then people like to watch the videos because it makes them feel good, you know, to see the, the giveaway that he's all the giveaways he's doing. He gives tons to charity and then just random random people. people. Just yeah. Random people. Just because I guess he figured out that you 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 could just make money by spending money, and so he just. Gives away a lot of the money he that gives he gets. Away an obscene amount of money. Yeah. Well, I, like I think <laughs> I think he started out like a. He started out by doing things that had nothing to do with money. He would like count for, like a thousand hours or something like that. Just stupid stuff like covering himself in bubble wrap and all yeah. that. And then once he got enough attention, somebody sent him like ten thousand dollars, you know, to do some kind of brand deal, and then. He gave it away to a homeless person, and then Listen. that gave him all the money to make that back, and then it kept going and steamrolling until he got. If there's anyone out there that would like to give this podcast ten thousand dollars to do something with, 
Dude, we like blow something up. Yeah, we, we oh, do yeah. all kinds of stuff. We could, we could. That's we could called stretch a, That's that. called a range day. We could stretch that money. That what you now is? I will say. And we could get rid of the buzz. I, yeah, we could get rid of the buzz. We could we finally could, get rid of the buzz. We could, we could get rid of the buzz. I will tell you, if you do a, uh, you can't monetize a video with guns in it on YouTube. Oh. Now you can you can have a video with guns in it, but you wouldn't be able to monetize it. We'll just put orange caps on it and it's nerf. It's nerf for nothing. Oh, <laughs> nerf for nothing. Hey, I, uh, this is the beauty of being live. I am going to listen to my body and I'm going to go to the bathroom. You guys can keep talking. But what are we going to talk about? I think we're going to talk about you going to the bathroom. I'm literally sitting. <laughs> you better not. I'm oh, going no, we to. definitely are. <laughs> we You're not going to be here. I got a bathroom. Us. I have a good bathroom story we can tell. It's not vulgar in any way, but so we came over here to. I can't remember what. I think it was to work on your house when we did the wonderful woodwork that you see behind us, and we did the ceiling and all this stuff. And my buddy came to help us. And he got stuck in Josh's bathroom. We had to, like, take the door handle and door off which, in order to get what, him out. Which which bathroom? The one over here. There? Yeah, the one on the first floor. Yeah, there's something with that. So that bathroom, <laughs> I don't know. So this isn't the first time that no, it's been no, a problem. No, no, no. It still continues to be a, a slight <laughs> problem. This door is, like, <sighs> maybe the wrong size or it's, like, misaligned somewhere. So you have to, like, really... Like, pull it yeah. close and then, like, kick it out to yeah. be able to yeah. and open what, and close the door. That's what we thought, too. And we ended up, like, taking hinges and hinge pins off to, like, take the whole mm -hmm. door off the, off the thing. Yeah. And, well, <laughs> I mean, continuing with stories of Josh pooping, yesterday I was here. We were working on my resume, and, you know, we were eating dinner, and he just says, Oh! I shat myself. <laughs> so, so like, so, you know, I think he's joking, right? He's running to the bathroom and then, you know, you just hear the beautiful sounds of, of, of whatever goes on. Yeah. That goes on to the bathroom. And then, and, and then I'm like, you okay? And then I hear the shower turn on. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Not okay. Like, uh, Definitely not what okay. What did you do? <laughs> I told you, I, I told you I shot myself. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> It's, uh, Dan Care says that it is going to be a range day at Whiskey Dance. He can see it now. So we're in. I'm 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 in to shoot stuff and blow oh, stuff up. Ten thousand dollars. That's all it takes, people. Ten grand is all we need. Buy all kinds of explosive things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lewis, you and your story from the forge about uh, what was it? Brian Mahaney's chili. Oh, I, man! I know. So for those oh, of you who I don't, for those of you who may not know, I know that most of the guys watching right now know. But if you listen to the podcast later, so the Forge is something that Josh put together for men. It was kind of like a weekend retreat, I think, is what it was. I think he's done like and, three of them. Yeah, he's done a couple of them, um, and it's a retreat weekend for just guys to get together and. You know, I, I think there was some shooting stuff involved and outdoorsy kinds of things. And one of our friends, Brian Mahaney, who has been, we just talked about, made some wicked chili. He's, his chili is top-notch. Um, and uh, one of our friends, Lewis, 
enjoyed the chili, but it did not enjoy him. It was bad. The way that I did. And Josh can maybe shed a little bit more light on that one I, when it comes back. I in, remember but. hearing lots of stories yeah. about a lot of... It's usually a once-a-year story from Lewis that I hear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All I remember is... All I remember of it is is the, the them describing the 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 <laughs> terrible stench of it, and in the summer heat, it's just that's what made it better. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's that's what I hear. That's awesome. Oh boy. <laughs> oh man. Uh. And I don't remember, but I think I heard a story about somebody. Somebody laid a, a a big one out behind one of their like trucks or something, in that event. Mm. Like, I I don't I I because I wasn't there, but I went to the next one and I heard a bunch of stories about it. That somebody just just they just dumped a big one, right right behind somebody's truck, and nobody nobody would fess up to it. That's, I don't, wow, I don't, that's kind of rough, man. It's a mystery. It's a it's a big mystery. Jeez. And someone, someone knows. So Lewis brought up the chili story. <laughs> I know. I was I was monitoring the feed. Oh, you uh, were? Of course you were. You did you hear the the, the what happened last night? Does that happen? Yeah, yeah. You told that story. Yeah. Yeah, it was one hundred percent true. That's why I'm, I'm like I'm not gonna do that again. Yeah. <laughs> this actually, this is why you go before the podcast. <laughs> I actually, you probably didn't get it, but I sent you a message. Dad. I don't today. Know I know. Before all that, I sent you a message today that said, um, yeah, I'm going to go before my podcast so I don't have to go in the middle of it. <laughs> but, says we got to get out of the bathroom rabbit hole. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, I'm literally out of the bathroom now, so we can, we can move back. on. That's why. That's his punishment for going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. oh. We'll get blocked for bathroom time. Dan's like, Dan's like, uh, the scout, I wish the I was there to keep him on track. Scout lawn. Yeah. He's like, yeah. he's like, this is not reverent. Move on. Yeah. Like, You're right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, looking at my list here, guys. This is this is a good time for this topic. So Abe was over last night, and aside from the adventure that we had, yes, um, we. Oh, hey. <laughs> aside from my adventure that I had, uh, he came over to work on his resume. And he's like, I, like I actually used to teach resume skills at the Career Link Encounter Sport. You did? Yes, I did. You didn't even tell me this. How come you never listens to me? You didn't tell me. He's your kid. Like I would teach, I, I would teach people that would come in and like I taught like a group of teenagers, like all the job skills, and then would take them out. They would volunteer, at like we find them volunteer positions, and they would get paid by the state. It was the program that when you were a teenager you were in, but it was different then because it was more hands on with, like. Half of the time was the classroom with me, or doing or going out and like getting job skills and experiences with me. Then the rest of the half of the time they were working at a place that we would find for them. Like I had no idea. This was um, but I also would teach adults some of the same classes. Like, you know, they would come in and I would teach them like res- how to build a resume or whatever. So I have some skills there. Plus, I've had to score a lot of jobs over the years, so I've kind of gotten good at it. So I'm sitting down with Abe, and we're like going through his work experiences and his volunteer experiences, and then we get to the section for skills. <laughs> and I'm like, we're talking about what you because you got what are some of your skills, Abe? You've got. I didn't even know you. You pretty much told me what my skills were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes that awesome. <laughs> so, so. Oh no, it's awesome. 
So what? So, so let's talk about some of them. What did, what so, what do we say on there? We said like social media experience because I I did that stuff. Sure. Yeah. And like social media management, uh, uh, WordPress, public speaking. I think was one of them. Sure. And then we got to the one that we didn't know where else to put it because <laughs> no matter how we said it, it sounded like Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. The 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 karate skills. Ninja skills, <laughs> but, but it's actually a legitimate skill. Yeah, because it, it, I mean, it's it's a lot of strength and discipline and and and, and hard work and all of that stuff is you know. You know, if they wanted to hire you for a security job, they they would be happy yeah, to know that oh you've yeah, got some karate yeah. skills. Look, that stuff's important, but you can't write it on a resume without sounding like <laughs> I have karate skills and nunchuck skills. <laughs> and, it's a worth. It's a. It's a skill worth mentioning. It is. It is. But. How but do you it just that? sounds. It sounds like you're twelve. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we we you're decided on martial arts. Abram can think about it and determine whether he wants martial arts on his skills or whether whether to take I, it off. I, I put it there, and I'm not going to take it off. I might find a different way to reword it, but. Hopefully, what it does is it opens up a question in the job interview that you get. Possibly. That would be so, cool. Why did you put martial arts here? And you could talk about the discipline and the, you know, yeah. the, the things that, that would, you learn. That would work. You know, that and, and that you apply those principles yeah. in your life. You know, like that would be a great, mm-hmm. you know, way to do that. But that whole topic and that concept of where do you put the karate skills on your resume got me thinking that would be a really good topic for us to talk about is where job skills. skills. Well, just job skills in general and like, like what skills do I need? If I'm looking for work, like like how do you how do you ace a job interview? What do you have any suggestions or, or insights on that? I think one of the most important things, and I do a lot of job interviews like through my work for um, some of our unlicensed positions at the hospital, and the biggest thing that I'm looking for is are you teachable? Like you know we don't require a certification to be a nurse assistant at the hospital. So we get a lot of people who have no experience at all. They've never touched a patient or, like, another human being in a caring way, like, in a way that you would have to take care of them in a hospital. They have no experience doing that. But, like, listening to them talk in their interview about their other jobs, how they were taught skills that they didn't know before, or how they were able to work with a new program, or whatever whatever that is, like, you know, stepping into a role that they've never had before and actually coming out successful from it is important to hear because I want to know, are you teachable enough for me to bring you in and then in a week teach you how to take care of people? Are you going to pick up what I'm telling you or are you just going to kind of blow me off and you're only here for what you're getting paid and that sort of thing? And that's what I look for the most in a job interview is, are you teachable? I mean... Most jobs, unless they're very, like, specific to, like, analytics or, like, a very algorithmic process that you may only be able to get in, like, high-level stats or math classes, stuff like that, like, most jobs at their core are teachable as long as you can find the right person to teach. Mm -hmm. And, again, having important, you know, like, we we get a lot of people who apply for nurse assistant positions that are, like, Um, that come from, like, retail, right? And most people don't make the connection, retail versus taking care of people. 
And when you look at the customer service aspect of it, as much as people don't like to think of healthcare as a business and a customer service, unfortunately, healthcare and health insurance companies treat it that way because we get reimbursed hospital-wise on our quote-unquote patient experience, aka our customer service to the patient. So if I have a patient, if I have a person who's applying that's worked at three different retail stores that, you know, held a customer service position, McDonald's was a manager at one of those places, things like that, and they want to work towards something new, I already know that you're probably used to dealing with crabby people, people who are upset, people who didn't get their way, people who want something more than what they're able to get. You're able to work with those people and you were successful enough at it to one, not get fired from the place you were at before. And two, if you rose to a certain level, you were able to overcome that and rise above your peers to be set apart. So like, I think teachable is the most important thing you can try to present and talk about when you are at a job interview. That's my personal opinion. I think that is 98% of the gig. For me, I have sat in on a few job interviews as well. And one of the things that I am always looking for is confidence, not pride or ego, but confidence. You know, if a person is humble, if they're, um, you know, you know, I'm looking for humility, but I'm also looking for that confidence. And so, one of the job interviews was to hire a person as a graphic designer. And uh, my boss at the time uh, took apart, took like a, a brochure that we know that we were going to get redone. It was designed well five years ago. but Or, or ten years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. But now it's a little dated. And so we know that we want to redo this. So he took it and he, he hands it to the person and says, what do you think of this? And if you were to redesign this, what would you do differently? And up to this point, the person in the interview was kind of shy and quiet. And we could have taken, you know, like we could have really gone either way. We really needed somebody, but, you know, we were taking a risk because the person didn't have a lot of experience or, you know, like, like had an education, but it wasn't like, like I personally know that if you want to get a job in graphic design most of the time, your education is worthless anyway because everything they teach you in college is 10 years, 15 years out of date by the time you go through most of the time. Mm-hmm. It's the experience for that position that gets you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we saw the portfolio. The portfolio is okay, but it wasn't our style, right? It wasn't what we needed. And so hands her the, the brochure and she boldly and confidently pointed out the things that looked bad. Said this and this and boy, this is bad and this needs to be, you know, she didn't know who it was that had designed it. That person could have been sitting in the room and come right out and to critique it. Yeah. Was bold. Yeah. And that confidence is why she was hired. Yeah. Um, Dan Karish puts on here, one, you could put your martial arts karate stuff in like awards and skills. Mm-hmm. Rather, like yeah. as an awards, like, yeah. Cause you, an award cause or... We said you didn't have any awards, but... Oh, that is technically... Certified award, yeah. Yeah, because you're yeah. certified as an award. And then he talks about honesty and loyalty, mm-hmm. um, and then being able to kind of like think on your feet and working well under pressure, that sort of thing are some of the things that he would be looking for. Yeah, if he was hiring. Um, I had a job interview, or I mean, a, a resume trick that I used, which I don't ever recommend lying on a job on a resume. 
some people will put like put their degree down on purpose or, or when they don't have one so they'll lie about it you know they, they drop out of college but they went to college so they'll just put it on there mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. a lot of times they don't check that yeah. right yeah so I dropped out of college to raise my babies and I had like the advantage that I had was when I went to college I had this really lazy uh, advisor who just signed off on whatever I gave him to sign off on so I got I skipped all my gen ed courses and uh, I tested out of a bunch of them but I he would sign off on so I was taking upper level courses my freshman year I would have technically probably been a freshman until I graduated because I skipped all the boring stuff but I had all the classes so like I would do my resume and I would intentionally leave off the dates on the college I would just put you know Liberty University didn't put any dates and I would and I listed the courses that I took and then in my cover letter which I always sent with my resume I always put in the cover letter that I didn't finish college but I did and I just explained I did take multiple upper level courses and just haven't been able to go back to get my degree you know and uh, in the job interview they had never read the, they never read the cover letter <laughs> you know they just so they talk about you know uh, I see you, you know, you've got your degree in, in communications blah 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 and, and this and that and I would say actually I don't and I would make sure they knew and I said but I'll tell you I said I I have spent the last 15 years doing this professionally you know and I've got experience doing this you know because I did at that point you know or however long it was when I was looking for that job and they never held it against me even though the job always required a degree mm-hmm. um, because they could tell that I knew my stuff and I demonstrated in those conversations that I knew what yeah. I was doing um, uh, or if I if it was early on and I didn't know what I was doing um, I demonstrated that I could learn because one of the things that I've heard from multiple people that hire is we hire for your character because we can teach you the skills most people will tell you that when they wanted to know that you're going to show up on time that you're not going to be you know that you're going to show up at all that you're not going to be a person who's you know a drama you know that you're not doing drugs and a criminal that they're going to have to worry about whether you'll be in jail tomorrow they're hiring you for your character and they'll teach you the skills that you need to know most of them are, are that's what their thoughts are yeah I think interviewing is an, an interesting. I, I think some people get it wrong, and I think where they go wrong is that they try to conform more of themselves to what they're like. It's good to present yourself in what they're looking for, but they forget and they pigeonhole themselves so hard to the things that the company is looking for that they forget about all of the other things that they've done or have experienced or they have worked in or they have achieved and they don't talk about that stuff. Like, there's a lot of missed things. Like, sometimes I look at resumes and I see, like, things that they've listed but they don't ever talk about. And, you know, I make it a point to ask them the question, but, like, talk to me about the maybe not so, like, pointed things on your resume that you've written about. Like, why... Why was it so important that you listed this here? Hmm. Like, you put it on this piece of paper for a reason. Why? Like, what about it is, you know, interesting? 
or why is it here? Um, I think that sometimes interviews lose the personal part of it. Like, I'm a very, like, intrapersonal connection mm-hmm. kind of guy. So, like, while I may not, and I've applied for a lot of jobs, a lot of jobs that are way outside of my ballpark, right? And my only thing is that I want them to connect with me on an intrapersonal level and then talk about the job. I want them to see me as a person and then let's kind of like get into the, the details because then I find out the company that I really am going to potentially maybe work for. Do they actually care enough to like look at those details and to think in that realm? Have you ever had a bad job interview or bad experience like that? Um, I've had job interviews that I didn't like, didn't expect. Like, if, <laughs> there's nothing worse than expecting to go into an interview and um, you expect it to be like one person and it's a panel with people. Those ones always throw me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I interviewed twice for adult probation, and like. They, the first interview was with a panel of people and it was basically two parts. So they brought everybody in at one time. You were sitting with the panel and every single candidate that was there to interview for the position. And they basically told you all of the meat and potatoes about the position. So what you were gonna do, what your training was gonna be, how much you were gonna make, what your health insurance looked like, all of the like details that every single person was going to ask, right? Then they sent us all back out to the waiting room and then they called us in one by one. And that was, so it was like two parts. So then the second part was you were one-on-one with the panel. And that was where you got to talk more about like you as the individual interviewee. So, and it was really interesting. The only reason I got the interview was because I had a communications degree. They were interested because I could communicate with people. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, but I think that's what throws me when you are expecting like what your interview is going to be like, and they don't necessarily tell you that it's a panel interview or or things like that. Um, I had an interview for a company in town, and at the end of my interview, he's like, "All right, I'm gonna kind of put you at the test here," and he tosses me a product they sell, and he's like, "You've got a couple minutes to ask me, you know, look it over, ask me any questions you want to know about it if you're not familiar with the product," um, and then we're going to kind of do a little bit of role play. I'm going to pretend that I'm a customer coming to your booth and you're going to be the the guy that's there to talk about it. And um, that was a super cool, that was a, actually really neat. I was thrown off by it because I didn't expect it, mm-hmm. but it was super neat because one, it's a, it's a very well-known company. I mean, everybody would know about the, at least the company, but I mean, I specifically used that product. So it was really cool because, you know, he was not expecting me to be able to detail how it worked or what you needed to do to make it function and you know some of the the intricacies of it i was able to talk about a little bit more i mean unfortunately i didn't get the job but um i mean it was still like i think things like that are kind of can be fun and or unexpected and kind of nerve-wracking um you know you always hear about the sales like the sales interviews like sell me this pen you know yeah sell me the pen that I have and it's like okay well give me the pen now I'm going to sell you the pen because you don't have one <laughs> yeah but so like things like that where they I, I think can be very nerve wracking and like it's not necessarily a trick or trickery it's just it, it's trying to make sure that you have what you need to do the job yeah exactly 
the I, I have I had several bad job interviews. One of them it was at uh, Adelphia. Uh, there was a job at like this very t- it was a very technical job. Their job description didn't quite explain that. Yeah, like it was like in the um like it was in the title. You're gonna work in a fast paced environment. Right, like the job description was like that. It's like so generic, you don't know what you do. But in the title, it was like a network, you know, networking kind of person. I'm thinking, well, it's something I can learn. I know enough about the internet, right? And I sit down, and they start asking me these questions. And they're the most technical, like, like what would you do? What would you do if you had 65 packets dropping on a blah blah blah? blah and I'm like. Uh, I think we made a mistake here, boys. <laughs> I just kind of hesitated, and then, and well, okay, well, let me ask you another question. It was another question. What would you do if the you know the the BPM is forty two thousand? You know, I just said, you know what? I think I made a mistake. I said I don't want to waste your time any more than you know than I need to. So I'm just going to go ahead and excuse myself. I said I think I may have misunderstood what this job was because I know that I know nothing about any of that. Okay, thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> um, and, and the other, uh, the other really bad job interview that I had was one where the guy sold me. He was a salesman. Oh, sold me on this position, right? And I left a position that was stable to go work for this company, and he sold himself and sold his company as one thing. And the first day that I worked there, I recognized he he sold me a, a bill of goods. But now I'm stuck. And so I worked until he just like came to me and said, I don't think this is working out. And there was really no reason it was working out other than the fact that he was just a jerk. Like, it just was not a good fit. Yeah. Like, he sold me on it, so I felt like I was um, wanted, needed, and, and appreciated based on my resume and my skill set. When I got there, he was a micromanager kind of guy. Wanted, you know, like literally breathed down my neck. Watching, you know, I was doing doing a design, a graphic design, and he was like, he was getting picky, like on a pixel by pixel level of how things looked, like, just, and so, so, uh, yeah, not good, and like, just was not happy with with anything I did. Yeah. And from the very first day, before I had a chance to do anything, yeah, and I realized that he what he wanted was something different, and I wish he would have just, if I would have seen any of that in the job interview, I would have known this is not for me. You know, um, I would have rather he asked me some hard questions and tested me, because I would have been able to pick that apart pretty quick. You know, um, the other bad job interview I had was a job for a youth pastor position, and they wanted. That was not a sit down and talk with a handful of people. Like it was like mm-hmm. a weekend long experience. It was a candidacy, is what they would call it. So I went down and I interviewed with the pastor. Then I interviewed with the whole church board, and like they asked me what my vision was. Like I, I and I went to the youth group, right, and hung out with the kids. Kind of okay. So what's your vision for our youth group here? And I said, well. So, First of all, I said I would really want to spend some time praying and getting to know your church and your, you know, these things first. So it's very difficult to tell you this, but what I would want to do is to equip these kids to go out and reach, you know, the the 
the other kids in the community. And the, and then the board was like, well, you know, I don't think we need our kids around those bad kids. Oh. And another person was like, you know, you know, you're awfully young. Why do you? Th- I was your age, just a little bit older than you. Ah. You know, why do you think that that uh, that your youth qualifies you to do this job? And I quoted. I, would understand I quoted more. the Bible verse that said, "Let no man despise you for your youth." And then he went on, and he got mad at me, and then went on to critique and talk. I said, I said, well, I said, my goal would also be to work with parents to create a team of volunteers so that we have the wealth of wisdom associated with older people. I said, I just think that as a young person, I'll be able to relate to them and hopefully rely on and like just like rip me apart. It was it was a brutal interview. And then, um, you know, then I had to go and get up in front of the whole church and like, you know, have like, they asked me some questions in front of the whole church. Like I played, uh, they made me play congas on their worship team on Sunday. What? It was, and they put us up in this hotel that was like the grungiest, nastiest hotel that I've seen in my entire life. I've never been in a hotel this grungy. And like, it was just a step up from the Oyo downtown here in Bradford. Like, it was bad. And, I mean, we had our own bathroom. but It had, like, the Thousand Fingers massage bed. And we put a quarter in it to see what would happen, and it stayed open, stayed on all night and kept the babies up crying. Oh. It wouldn't shut off. That's, that's, it that's was, really funny. It was horrifying. Horrifying. And then I found out, like, a couple years later, the church that I was at, there was some drama, there was some tension in the church and the pastor left and then the new pastor came in and the people that hated the old pastor hated me because I because he brought me in you know this was this is not the church I the interview that this was at the church we were attending yeah and then it came out this whole time that like somebody in that church had talked to somebody down there then they were like uh, gossiping about me and how poorly what? I did on this job interview and how they knew the whole time they were gonna hire me but they wanted me to go through the experience so that I could learn from it if oh, I wanted to go into awful. And I'm they like, wanted to teach you a lesson? Oh, that's terrible. And looking back on it, I'm like, that was one of the worst. And we were desperate for, for a job at that point. And, like, when we were down there, it was brutal. But they were also, like, like I figured, surely they wouldn't just make somebody go through all these hoops if they weren't interested. And then I didn't hear anything. They ghosted me. So I kept calling. To you, had to do all that, you had to do all that before you even got the job? I never got the job. Yeah, I had to do all that. Like, there was no hiring. That was all just... The, this this church was down in, like, Punxsutawney. Mm. And so, like, the whole thing... And, like, there was... You know, like, I thought there was no reason... Like, why would they put everybody through that if they weren't actually interested? You know? Mm-hmm. And that was just their process. And, man, it was, a, it was a nightmare. And, yeah, and to find out that the whole time they weren't interested anyway. What happened when you found out? Like, what did, did you? Uh, I was just did you end up meeting with them or anything? Or? No, no. Like, I found out about it like years later. Really? Yeah, because they like I called for months to try to get answers as to whether they were interested because I needed the job so bad, and then finally they just said no, we're not interested. I'm like, why didn't you just say that? They didn't even just they didn't. They should have just told you. It's like and hey, then, and then years later I found out that they that they really didn't want me anyway. And I'm like, why did you call me down then? Yeah. And it was it was a terrible. it was a bad experience. That's terrible. So, that's another. Sorry, that was a long story. But no, it's okay. It's a good story. Mm. Gentlemen, we've talked about a lot of things. We have. How long? This is a long one. 
It's been an hour and a half. It's actually a little shorter than normal. Oh, really? Yeah. But I think uh, anything else you guys want to talk about tonight before we wrap up? Mm-mm. Awesome. I got nothing. Hey, those of you guys who are watching live, we thank you for your comments and your interactions with us. And uh, those of you who are going to be listening on YouTube or watching on the uh, or, or listening on the, the the podcast, I just want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, as always, if you want to connect with us, please go to the Manlyhood Man Cave on Facebook. It's a free Facebook group where men can become better men. Uh, you don't get to hang out with our dogs like you do here, but uh, you do get to hang out with us and a bunch of other guys and share what's going on in your life. We'd love to have you there, so please come join the Facebook group. Uh, but in general, guys, we just want you to know that we love you, we care about you, and we'll see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. Men, you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for Manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast.